we've built all of the technology that allows us to send and monetize an email effectively. And so when big brands like Salesforce or Microsoft advertise with us, they make a lot of money off of us. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Sam Parr, who is the CEO of The Hustle, which is your smart, good-looking friend that sends you an email each morning with all the tech and business news you need to know. By the way, it's so much more than that. I have followed The Hustle for a couple of years. I've subscribed to their newsletter. They have events. They have. Uh, there's so much other stuff that you can do, which I'm going to let Sam explain because he's got other stuff that he's cooking up as well. But first and foremost, Sam, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. So yeah, why don't you give us a little background on kind of what your story is and how that led up to The Hustle? Yeah, so The Hustle turned three years old a few days ago, actually. Nice. Before that, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm from Missouri, lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I had a chain of hot dog stands in Nashville, Tennessee when I was in college. And that was kind of how I started an entrepreneurship. And then I started like some internet businesses and they were pretty great. And I was like, the internet is way better than being outside when it's really hot, selling hot dogs. Let's do that. I left school a little bit early in 2012, moved out here, started an internet company that had a very small exit, and then eventually started HustleCon, which is like a TED Talk for entrepreneurs. And in order to make that popular, I created an email list. And one thing led to another, and we said, what if we try to make this a lot bigger than just an event? And that's how the hustle came to be. Awesome. Cool. And the hustle itself, I mean, there's so much that goes into the newsletters. I, I had one opened up earlier and you talk about there's there's tech news in there, um, but it, it's written in, in a way where it's, it's, let's just say it's not boring. Can you describe to people like what is actually the newsletter and, and how that came about? Yeah. So basically, like my mom kind of described it as Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg meets The Daily Show. So it's all like real news that you need to know about, but we kind of tell it in a fun or irreverent way. When I'm not a trained journalist, I'm not a trained writer, but I was a blogger. I, I blogged in my free time and I blogged for fun. And that kind of turned into what this was. And we just kind of took like the tone of voice that I was using to write for fun, but for this. Awesome. And what kind of numbers can you share around the hustle today in terms of how it's doing? Yeah. So we just hit our three-year mark on April 19th. We're a eight-figure business. We've raised very little money. We raised like a friends and family seed round, but we've been able to grow that into what feels like a substantial business now. And over the next few years, our goal is to hit $100 million in revenue by 2025. So hopefully we can go a lot bigger. It's getting close to a million and a half people who read each day. So a million and a half subscribers. Um, and we have, 
I don't know the exact number right now because we've made some hiring, but somewhere around 30 employees. Awesome. And so I'm looking at this and with 1.5 million, I guess we can kind of go into the marketing side of that in, in a little bit. But with the hustle, um, you know, events, uh, you have people subscribing, got sponsorships and all that. I guess I, I just like a little more clarity in terms of how you guys actually make money because it's, it's incredible the numbers you guys have. The vast majority of our revenue is practically all of our revenue. All of our revenue this year is from email advertising. And so a lot of people don't realize this. They're like, why do you need 30 people to have an email? It's like, well, one, we're building a lot more stuff. And two, we've built all of the technology that allows us to send and monetize an email effectively. And so when big brands like Salesforce or Microsoft advertise with us, they make a lot of money off of us. Right. Cool. So if, if I'm Microsoft, um, why would I come to you? What, what would I be advertising, I guess? Uh, the majority of our revenue is B2B software. Uh-huh. And so it's people who want you know to get to sell big deals that make thousands of dollars a month for software. It's really hard to go to Facebook or Google alone. You have to spend elsewhere. And, and, and a lot, that's what a lot of people turn to us to because we have a huge audience of people who buy big ticket software because they run small to medium to large companies. Got it. Yeah. Can we go a little more in, into the demographics? So um, they run small to medium, uh, large companies. How, how big are these companies typically? How, how many employees do they have? And then we can kind of go into the numbers because now this might actually become a sales call where I buy from you. <laughs> well, when we first started, it was a lot of small businesses. You know, I started the company when I was 24. And so a lot of the people who subscribed and who worked here were like me, like they were scrappy, just getting going. But now we have, we definitely have, we've made a push to evolve and grow past that. So when we started, it was loads of people who had like companies that they either started or owned or that they were decision makers at that were like less than series A startups. So a lot of people who were like, had like five or 10 employee businesses that were just getting going. Now, like if we type in like Bloomberg.com or Uber.com or Airbnb.com into our database, we'll see that we have hundreds of people that work at each company. So we have employees at big companies. Uh, you, if we type in different URLs, you also see CEOs or founders of really big companies. But as we've grown, like in the last year, it definitely has become how can we get founders or executives at larger companies to, to subscribe? And that's definitely evolved. So like when we started, it was like, I'll try to think of a, a specific example, but it was like a, a, a 50 person startup that advertised with us and they just wanted to acquire more customers for small business owners. Wow, that's awesome. So if a startup or not even just a startup, but if, if a company wanted to start advertising with you guys, I mean, what did the sponsorship start at and what did they get? Yeah, so we, I, I, won't, I won't say like specifically what we do, but I'll tell you the industry standard. I actually started the company because I read about the Daily Candy and thrillist in on mixergy.com like years ago and the industry standard ranges from $15 all the way up to $40 per thousand cents and so that can be very lucrative if you have a super engaged email list and so we have a sales team we have an office here in San Francisco and we have an office in Austin and we have a sales team and so they either reach out or we get a lot of inbound because like our audience is our advertisers are our advertisers um, and so they'll see like their competitors advertising and they'll reach out and we have a sales team that helps facilitate that and get that done. Awesome. And so when you say uh, so per thousand cents, um, okay, I, I guess I just answered my own question. I was like, is it per like, is it like if they open or not, it's just the cents? 
Yeah, well, yes. So it is per thousand cents, but that only works if you have a really engaged email list. But if you send to, uh, like, there's a lot of companies that if you send to a hundred thousand people, you're going to make twenty grand, right? So twenty dollars times one thousand. Yep. Okay, makes sense. And so, uh, one point five million people on your list. I mean, I, I must imagine sometimes it's a, it's a pain to to manage that, right? To keep the list clean and everything. What do you guys do to kind of uh, maintain the list hygiene? So we built our own technology to send the email. And so that includes being on our own IP address. So that helps. Uh, we have like a sunset policy and we're always tinkering with it. So that could include removing people who haven't engaged in like 90 days. We have drip sequences that try to re-engage people. And then like if they don't engage by a certain email, then they, 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 we take them off the list. There involves a ton of a ton of a ton of stuff of like white um, what's it called uh, whitelisting your domain name with uh, you can use return path to do that. There's a ton of technical stuff that I had no idea was an issue, and I'm not technical at all. I couldn't even log into a lot of our stuff, but we have a technical team, and some of the stuff they tell me that they're doing in order to increase deliverability. It's like I had no idea that was a, an issue. So. There's just like loads of software. There's um, SendGrid has all this amazing software that tells you which inboxes are blacklisting you or which e- uh, email service providers like Outlook or Hotmail, like which ones are blacklisting you and you could, and they'll tell you like how to get back into it. There's certain words that you should or should not say. So like if you talk about porn or free stuff or like make money fast, like you go to the spam box, mm. there's just a ton of stuff like that that I just wouldn't have thought about. Right. Yeah. The only reason I'm asking just for the audience is is when you're sending emails and people think email's dead, which it definitely isn't, as Sam is proving, the deliverability is a big pain point, right? So, you know, if, if you're you're sending from like a dirty IP address, okay, you're gonna have deliverability issues. Um maybe if you're sending a bunch of spam or you have a bunch of links or whatever whatever it is exactly, right? Yeah, if you're like HTML is messy. Yeah. Like it's gonna get screwed up. Like one specific example is uh, up until a hundred thousand subscribers, we got we got like maybe one hundred fifty thousand subscribers in the first year, and we were using Mailchimp. And what we learned was that Mailchimp, like I, I had to learn all this, I had no idea. Mailchimp, you use what's called a share IP address, which means uh, you share an IP address with every other Mailchimp user. And if a uh, Mailchimp is really easy for scammers to game, so like when if I wanted to scam people or like or sorry spam people, I would use Mailchimp because I know how to like scam the system and what that means is one spammer is hurting one legit person oops sorry i was muted yeah that's actually that's actually a thing now so when did you guys at what point uh so it's been three years right at what point did you decide hey we need to come off of mailchimp and uh i guess at that point you decided to build your own technology yeah it was my partner john it was his idea and i thought it was a stupid idea i was like this is so dumb like why like because I'm a pretty simple guy, and I'm like, we don't need to build anything. Let's just use what's already out there. And he's like, no, we have to build for this reason, that reason, and this reason. And he was totally right. And that happened like a year after. Because now this business like, is going to make tens of millions of dollars. And to do that on someone else's software is really scary. And so we did that like a year in maybe. Got it. And now it's pretty sophisticated. So like our whole team lives in our system. We call it CMS. It's just we call it content management system. It's nothing interesting. But like we can see all of our users who have ever signed up. We can send emails to certain people. We can we can do all types of really cool stuff. And what type of investment did you put into this new kind of custom build for yourself? Man, we had this developer named Wes. He still works with us. He's like a super 
he, he's one of those 10 X developers that people talk about, but basically he built the whole thing by himself as a full-time employee. And now we have three full-time engineers. Awesome. Awesome. That is incredible. Um, and I do want to talk about kind of the, the other items that you have coming down the pipeline, but okay. So primarily you make money on the sponsorships from if memory serves me right. I don't think you really charge for the conference. Do you? Some so last year we had like ten thousand or eight thousand eight eight to ten thousand attendees at our events, and some were free and some were not. So we host this big event called HustleCon, which is how the company started. It's how we funded the whole business. That had like twenty five hundred people come last year, and and that's quite lucrative. Um, we also do these free events throughout the country, or we do events that are like twenty dollars. And so to us, events are like business development and marketing that just so happens to make a profit. You know, as a bootstrap company or relatively bootstrapped with only with no VC, every dollar matters. Yeah. The, the way I see it with the events, especially when you go to like a conference, for example, it's um, you get to meet people that all, you know, convene in a, in a certain area and then, um, you know, amazing things happen. Right. And then the content's kind of like the bonus, at least from my point of view now. Yeah. The amount of access that we have is crazy. Like when I moved to San Francisco, I literally didn't know one person. Now I feel like I know everyone. Awesome. So, okay, when you when you threw when you started doing uh, these hustle con events, because I, I was looking at the speakers that you've had, and you know they're amazing speakers. I don't know if you want to name a few, but uh, basically, you are now kind of the celebrity, and then you could you, you know you could throw these dinners with these people. You now have you're now friends with them, right? Yeah, that now's the case. But like you know, we've had the founders of um, WeWork. Uh, Casey Neistat, which, you know, the popular YouTube guy. I mean, we've had like 300. I could keep, I could name a ton, but like multiple billion dollar, multi-billion dollar companies. Pretty much if you know a startup that is like doing well, we have either worked with them or are going to work with them. And that all came from cold email. Now we're friends. And like some of the people who have invested in us, like Tucker Max or Tim Ferriss, it's just because we worked with them before and they saw that we knew how to execute. Like the founders of NerdWallet are our investors. Ramit Sethi is our investors. And it's all because they came to our events and I got to know them and they saw that we knew how to execute well and that we actually had something real. I feel like that's that's like one of the things is, okay, podcasts are a great way to kind of you know get your foot in the door, get to know people a little bit. And then once you start doing uh, live events, it takes it to a whole nother level. And I think you've kind of proven that model. It does. And live events can be a pain in the butt because a lot of people lose a ton of money on it. Yep. But if you do it effectively, it doesn't have to lose money. It can make money and it provides something tangible that a lot of brands don't have. Yeah, I think so. I'm doing an event with uh, Neil in a couple months in, in downtown LA. And, you know, it, it is a free event, but then we found ways to kind of, you know, obviously sponsorships on the side too, but we're also doing like a private uh, VIP dinner for the people that are willing to kind of cough up a little um, change. And so like, that's how we've kind of not only just covered our costs, but we've actually gone beyond that now. And I, I think maybe a question for you is for people that are looking to do their first live event, what should they be expecting to get back? Should they be expecting to lose money? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I actually, someone was posting about your event in our group, so they're excited about it. Oh, nice. Yeah, but the question was what to expect. Is that what you said? It's more so like, yeah, you expect to lose money on your first event, make money, break even. Like, what is it? We've never lost money on an event. I'm, I'm not the losing money type of guy. I'm incredibly frugal, and I, and I flip out if, if there's wasted resources. So we've never lost money on an event. Most people do. I think that... What a lot of the mistake a lot of people do is they spend money on useless things. So if you have a thousand attendees, you could very easily spend tens of thousands of dollars on name badges. But name badges aren't going to make or break your event. So, like, just cut costs there. Yeah. Or 
like what we found, like one time we bought like loads of Coca-Cola and Sprite, but like these type of people don't drink that sugar shit. And so they, <laughs> they just want like bottled water and diet soda. So it's like, all right, there's loads of ways to save costs. We actually didn't pay speakers. And so we saved money there. So I think that with people, they also, a lot of people host their first events in hotels or venues where you have to use a union or you have to use their caterer. And that's where like you could easily spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a venue. And that's where stuff really adds up. I think that with an event, in order to not lose money on it, you have to do, you have to have a contingency planning and you have to spend as little money as possible. And then you have to make money on the tickets or sponsorships. And once you exceed a certain number, then it's like, all right, now we can spend more because with an event, if you launch it like six months out, you can start actually making cash flow right away. And once you see that strong cash flow is going to come in through ticket sales or sponsorships, then you can start to spend more and invest more in the experience. You don't want to do all that up front because what if no one actually comes? Right. So what's what's uh, Sam's list of stupid shit to not invest? In? Okay, so I'm hearing name tags, uh, cola, paying for speakers. What else? Like early on, my food was just box lunches. It wasn't anything particularly special. And because I was just thinking, I was like, man, when I'm like on my birthday or – or for holidays, like I don't always remember the food. I, I, I just kind of remember the company. So I cut costs there. Now we get good food. But early on, we did fine with oh, mediocre food. Um, a lot of like goodie bags and like attendee gifts were a waste. What we ended up doing was we actually got sponsors to provide samples. But we got loads and loads of people to provide samples to the point where that like was like the snacks and like the beverages. Yeah. We just like when we had alcohol, we just used red solo cups. We didn't have fancy um, cups or glasses or anything like that. And nobody complained, right? No, because you just most stuff that people think is important or matters doesn't. So if you meet someone amazing or if you hear like a talk that could change your life, that is where the value is, not in does your name tag look beautiful? Love it. Yeah, it makes complete sense. I wish more people had that kind of thinking. Um, so I, I do want to talk about your subscription product. So what do you have cooked up? What, what's coming down the pipeline? Yeah, so with media right now, like it's really hard to build a, a massive business with just advertising. And we saw that early on. And that was our plan early on was build up a really large and engaged email list and create more products and services for them. And this product that we have coming out, it's called Trends. And what we've done is we've hired a team of analysts and researchers and writers and reporters, and we scour the web. We've built really cool tools that crawl the web, and we're just looking at what trends will be interesting in the next three, six, and 12 months. And we do that by doing case studies on really cool companies. So we just did one on HIMSS um, where we we broke down their hiring, like how they, who they hired and where those people came from and why that mattered. We broke down everyone who was linking to them and why that mattered. We broke down how they got traffic to their website. And so we're doing this with loads of different industries. And so the idea with trends is that users, a, a small percentage of our email list is going to pay uh, money for this. And they're going to get really cool case studies, reports on different trends. And we also are able to survey our audience to get the sentiment on different topics and different products and report on that. And so it's almost like one person emailed me yesterday and said, I love trends because we have, we already have paying customers for beta group. And they said, this feels like a Harvard business review or something, but for com small companies or startups. And so that's what, what, what trends is all about. Awesome. And how much is that going to cost? 
we're tinkering with pricing, but right now the conversion rate has been quite strong at roughly $300 a year. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. So how often are they going to get each new kind of case study? We've been tinkering and weekly seems to be the winner right now. Awesome. And these case studies, I guess, are they uh, like in an email form? Or is it like a, I guess, is it like a PDF? No, we built a website that allows everything to, it's not PDF. What, what, you know, I think if in order for us to become as big as I think we can, like a lot of the companies like Gartner and Forrester, they still actually spend or send PDFs. And we've actually built something a little bit more interactive that allows users to see all the numbers. That said, email is still the main distribution channel for that. We also have uh, online groups, so all members can talk to each other. We interview a lot of interesting entrepreneurs, and those people are in the group, so you can chat with them as well. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think $300 is a steal, especially you just talked about Forrester and Gartner, right? Um, so I think that, you know, anybody here that's listening right now would be remiss to, to not pick it up. Cool. And when did you say that was coming out again? In June, roughly. Got it. Okay. Yeah. We've been working on it for like three or four months and uh, the goal is to get it out in June. It's a huge undertaking and way more than I thought, but it's turning out to be excellent. Awesome. So working towards wrapping up here, and one of the questions I always ask that I forgot to ask earlier was, uh, so for you, 1.5 million email subscribers, how did you go about getting your first 100,000 email subscribers? Blogging. If you can, the, in our first month of the blog being live, we had almost a million people come to the website. Wow. And it was all through blogging. We blogged like crazy. I wrote hundreds of articles. A lot of them were like pretty outrageous and went viral and got hundreds of thousands of views and it was just loads of blogging i'm looking at okay so oh you know what happened so i went to the hustle.co and then it was the now i see the blog got it okay makes complete sense so like if you google like the hustle soylent or the hustle kindle or the hustle lsd it's these wild experiments we did where we lived on soylent for 30 days or we had someone microdose lsd and talk about what it how it helped them or we had um one time we gamed the amazon kindle system to show that it was pretty easy to game and why that's not a good thing. Wow. Soylent. So tell me about that. Soylent on 30 days. Yeah. Um, I had a friend from college who was a runner and I go, Josh, like we want to, Soylent's interesting to us. I'll give you two grand if you uh, only consume that for 30 days. And uh, we wrote about that. (laughs) There was also, I knew a guy who was maybe, I forget what the article says, like 30 or 60 grand a month writing like books on Kindle on how to like hook up with women. And he was not like a guy who hooks up with a lot of girls. I was like, dude, this is sleazy. How do you do this? And he said that he just copies other people. And so we did the same thing, but within the romance novel category. And it, we became a best-selling author in like a week. <laughs> and we did it to prove that like the, 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 there's a lot of people out there who claim to be Kindle best-selling authors just so they can get consulting money. But it's actually like kind of like not that hard to do. That's awesome. Now, I'm assuming blogging still working really well for you guys, yes? Yeah, we probably get a million uniques a month to the site still, um, just through like blogging. We paid marketing works really, really well for us. And so after we got to like 250,000 users organically, we started doing paid marketing. And I'm assuming um, when you're doing paid marketing, you're just you're buying emails on Facebook, Google, and you're putting an offer up. Exactly. We know our numbers like crazy. So I know what our LTV is. I know what our payback period is for an email subscriber. And we're able to spend up to a certain amount to acquire them. Awesome. Great. So working towards wrapping up with the final questions now, what is one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value? So it could be like an app like Evernote or it could be a physical thing. 
one new tool that's made a difference. Web Archive. It's a free tool. I love Web Archive. I, I study Web Archive like crazy. Do you know Web Archive? Is that like a Wayback Machine type of thing? Same thing, yeah. The company, I think, is called Web Archive, and the Wayback Machine is the name of the product. I'm a big fan of reverse engineering things, and we use that to write our case studies. And so I use it like crazy to where I'll, I'll pair screenshots with old websites with press releases and earning reports and you can kind of like reverse engineer how it came to be awesome i love it cool uh how about one must read book you'd recommend to everyone i just read okay well I, one is titan the biography of john rockefeller and that oh that is such a thick book <laughs> yeah it is it changed my life but a, a more recent one i read that one five years ago and i still reread it on a regular basis the biography of joseph kennedy the patriarch he crushed it in business, maybe not always in the most ethical way. And I don't know if he if he was like the best husband, but he was a really good father. And it always kind of inspired me. I don't have children, but it kind of inspired me how he always put family first and was always about pushing his family forward, even while killing it in business. And why um, do you want to tell people why you read biographies? I think it's brilliant, by the way. Yeah, I read loads of biographies. And I, I particularly like reading biographies of people who aren't like I don't like reading like the typical like the Elon Musk biography. I do like reading biographies of wonderful, successful business people, but I like to do like old school people that you that made, that just made their name in really boring industries. Because whenever I read biographies, it feels like I'm able to learn from their mistakes and learn from their successes and just skip like years of mistakes on my own because I'm just able to copy what they've done. Yeah, totally. Books are like cheating. It's like so cheap. It's such a good deal. Even if you read like 10 bad books, if you get one good thing from it, it's still worth it, you know? Yeah. And and I also think that when you're starting something, like it's really hard mentally. I always say that starting a business intellectually is very simple, but emotionally it's incredibly hard. Yep. And so it's great reading about people I admire and seeing that they're, they struggle with all the same stuff that I have. And they, even when they quote become successful, they still like hate a lot of parts of their lives and they still struggle with a lot of stuff. And so it kind of gives me like, uh, I don't know, what do you say? Like solidarity or something. It's like, I, I feel like I'm with them and, and we're the struggle together it's your it's the community it's the tribe i feel you cool man so sam this has been great what's the best way for people to find you online twitter the sam par is my um twitter handle i'm pretty active there i'm also very active on facebook so if you just search my name on facebook i uh i'm always doing some type of crazy nonsense on on facebook awesome sam thanks so much for doing this all right thank you i appreciate it Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.